On this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, we discuss the latest news, including updates on upcoming ASC events, review ANSI Amy ST79 steam sterilization requirement updates that affect ASCs, discuss the IRS ruling on provider relief funds, review recent recalls on hand sanitizer, continue to wait for the 2020 ASC HOPD regulatory updates, and in our focus segment, discuss employee certifications in the ASC setting. The ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Eden Group Development, Surgical Information Systems, Intelair, Medicus IT, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions, and BHG Patient Lending. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. This episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, the nation's leading ASC regulatory compliance firm. Are you preparing for a Medicare, state, or accreditation survey, or have recently experienced a difficult survey? Or do you want to make sure you are always survey ready? AHS is your answer. Our dedicated team of experts is ready to assist you. AHS can make you ready for your next survey, complete your plan of correction, and work with you to always be ready for a survey. We also provide retainer-based services to oversee your regulatory compliance, including preparing policies, forms, education programs, overseeing your quality improvement, risk management, infection control, and emergency preparedness programs. For more information, call John Gailey today at 585-594-1167 or visit our website at age-strategies.com. Welcome to episode 110 of the ASC podcast with John Gailey for July 27, 2020, recording from our studios in Spencerport, New York. This is Susan Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Joining me is John Gailey, Chief Operating Officer and owner of AHS, recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. And here we are back in the studio. Yes, so we are. last uh, episode we had we were out in that big conference room out there with the mm-hmm. big microphone and uh, twenty people. It was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun to have everybody here and uh, trying to social distance in a in a basement <laughs> environment, a ground floor environment. Yes. <laughs> but the sound act actually ended up pretty good. I know mm-hmm. uh, we had some people that were. Uh, uh, commenting on the number of squeaky chairs yes. <laughs> during the recording. So, uh, but the, the sound itself was good. If it you was. just could ignore the squeaking. Should be, given the expense of some of those yes. microphones we are yeah. using there. So welcome back uh, to our uh, our studio with us here. We have a lot going on. Uh, we have a lot of news this week, and uh, we're going to do a, a special kind of episode here about uh, certifications, mm-hmm. uh, given that the uh, CASC review course is going on this week. We recorded the first day of it uh, uh, this afternoon, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be on tomorrow with a whole, what is it, about uh, three hours on finance. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be very exciting sessions for, <laughs> for people there. 
Um, we're back on the road again. I'm down in New York City every week um, for two or three days. You and I heading out on Tuesday, or no, Wednesday, on Wednesday. right? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. To the city for a quick little uh, overnight jaunt. And uh, it's uh, <clears throat> it's getting pretty busy here. A lot of a lot of issues have been coming up. I think, uh, you know, in New York, you're required to do testing of patients beforehand. And I know many other areas are doing that also. But we're getting a lot of questions, a lot of concerns about the, the testing. As a matter of fact, Sue, I, well, you know this, I was tested on... Wednesday. It mm-hmm. was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. This is the first time I've been tested mm-hmm. uh, through the whole thing. I had both the um, – help me with the terms. <laughs> you had the swab and then you had the, the antibody. Antibody the testing. Test, so so that, I was yeah. – uh, thankfully, I was negative for both uh, for everybody that uh, sees me over the next couple months. Um, and uh, But it wasn't bad. I know everybody warned me that the swab might be – uncomfortable, but it just mm-hmm. felt like a, somebody, you know, sticking a feather up my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was a lot more worried about it than I, I mm-hmm. should have been. Um, so the testing problem continues to be, and is actually, I think, getting worse in that people are having a hard time meeting that. Uh, in New York, it's a five-day requirement. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think as more people get tested because yeah. everybody's being encouraged to test now. And well, at least in New York so State. Many. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's being tested. I think, uh, I think our puppy is going to be tested <laughs> uh, next week. <laughs> no, it, it's it's getting crazy. You know, my daughter who works in the uh, the nursing home industry, she's she was tested twice a week for a while. Now she's mm-hmm. down to once a week. But uh, the testing is uh, is of course quite uh, overwhelming here, or quite quite prevalent. Uh, and then the other problem that we're having is some of the states have quarantine issues. In New York, it's a mandatory quarantine if we visit one of. I don't know. I think it's like 31 states. It's going to mm-hmm. get to the point where it's probably to the point where you just say the states that are not quarantining people coming back. And that's actually stopping us from going to Ohio this week. We have a board meeting in Ohio, which we're going to have to do virtually um, because otherwise we would both of us would have to quarantine on the way back or, or mm-hmm. get tested again. And then, uh, you know, before we could go visit any of our sites. So it's uh, – I, I don't know how long this is going to last. And, and that is a question a lot of people are asking or continue mm-hmm. to ask is how long is this going to go on? And I guess the the only answer know. I have right now is until further notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I thought I'd add a puppy update because we haven't talked about our little puppy. Uh, more <laughs> our important, big puppy. Our big puppy, yes. Uh, I did – I remember during the um, the live podcasts and during our conferences, we used to pick her up and show her in front <laughs> of the camera. So I tried that yesterday with her. Um and I realized that she's way bigger than this chair is here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and she was not comfortable while she was yeah. she was giving me the evil eye. She's got to be about sixty pounds now. Oh, I think, I think at least. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, we're going to have to get her, her own seat here in the <laughs> podcast studio here, her own camera. But she's doing well, and she uh, she's growing fast. We'll get some pictures out there for everybody. And mm-hmm. she uh, she starts her puppy training. On Saturday, yes. or I should say that we start our training mm-hmm. for puppy parents on Saturday. Yeah, I think, it's I, think more I think she's <laughs> she's kind of got us trained better than we have her trained. <laughs> That's right. So we think we need some help. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she's very good though. So there's uh, there's no lack of news. Uh, so we had a bunch of uh, things going on here. Why don't you start Sue with uh, kind of some disappointing news about uh, liability protections? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment right now. There's some uh, uh, rollbacks of liability protections. And this is specific to New York, but I'm wondering if this is going mm-hmm. to continue. I, I know there's no federal um, provisions for, uh, you know, liability product- protections at this point. So I'm yeah. just concerned as watching what's happening yeah, in New York. So why don't you just mention what's happened here? Okay. So the legislature passed a bill to roll back the COVID-19 related liability protections for healthcare workers under the Emergency Disaster Treatment Protection Act or ED 
TPA, which provides some limited immunity to healthcare workers who are providing healthcare during an emergency such as a pandemic. Um, and, you know, and that's to encourage people to really jump in. Some people right. come from other states. They're, you know, they might be working slightly outside of their specialty, but just because it's kind of all hands on deck. So this bill um, would not be retroactive, but they're still concerned about it because um, there is a possibility that we may be dealing with a second wave in the near future, and, and we want to have those protections in place. Uh, the important thing is that the EDTPA does not protect healthcare workers from acting negligently or recklessly or purposefully causing harm. So, which is a normal, you know, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Normal so there's no, so. Um, you know, some are suggesting you write to the um, the governor and and just yeah. let them know that that you know you you're hoping that th- that this won't continue to go through because right. it isn't protecting anybody from something they're doing purposely. Well, and I continue to be concerned about what um, about protections for uh, uh, for ambulatory surgery centers during uh, during this whole event, even mm-hmm. up until now. Uh, and I, I just perceive there's going to be a lot of lawsuits out there for people that have contracted uh, COVID mm-hmm. and have uh, basically sued everybody that they were in contact with during yeah. that time. Not that we would lose these lawsuits. I'm never, I mean, we we often are, you know, are on the right side of this, but it's just the cost of this, the amount of time that goes into uh, defending these cases that I really worry about. And I just have a feeling, I mean, we already know that the uh, the lawyers, the trial lawyers are, uh, are really uh, on the rampage right now looking for a potential lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So uh, more news to come on that. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, the uh, CASC review class, uh, that's for the Certified Ambulatory Surgery Center um, uh, certification, or the CASC certification, uh, we have a CASC review class going on live. It's today, which is Monday, uh, July 27th, and tomorrow, July 28th. So I don't know that this episode will actually drop before it's over mm-hmm. with. Uh, but more importantly is that we're recording this session, so you will be able to uh, – to get or to see a copy of the uh, recording. I think it's through the end of October. If you're interested in applying for and taking the CASC uh, certification exam. Uh, So it's two four-hour sessions. Uh, One was today, again, uh, Monday, uh, July 27th, and tomorrow, July 28th. But as I said, it's going to be recorded uh, and it's going to be available for sale. And I think this is a great way. I've been teaching this course for probably 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And it's just a great way of uh, learning what you need to know for the CAST review. It doesn't teach you what you need to know, but it helps review. That's why we call it a review class, helps review uh, those things that are going to be covered on the exam and that uh, to make sure that you're going to uh, be prepared for it. And mm-hmm. at the end of this class, usually people have like an action plan of things that they're going to want to study mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. in preparation for the Because for the it test. takes really a lot of experience. You usually yeah. recommend people have quite a bit of experience. You just can't go into this new and study something, and, and because, but this this helps you to prepare. Exactly. And we, we actually say that at the very beginning is mm-hmm. we don't know what the test questions are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so we're not uh, we're not preparing you to take the test. We're preparing you to make sure that you have all of the you know the body of knowledge that you need to do that. So uh, so and, I think it's a good good thing. And those cask testing dates are September 
1st through the 30th, 2020. The application has been extended to August 21st, 2020. So you still have time until August 21st, 2020 to apply to take the CASC exam. And I hope people are, you know, taking this seriously. I know there's just been a lot of delaying going on, uh, and but there's no better time really to, you know, to kind of get into this, especially since all of these resources have been made available to prepare you for this exam. And, you know, we, we've provided a lot of uh, resources just mm-hmm. by listening to our podcast and taking some of our our virtual conferences, which are available at ASCPodcast.com, uh, you know, will help you uh, in many ways to prepare for that exam. And, and so we are looking into doing a boot camp short, shortly, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the plans are already uh, pretty much done. We're just trying to find a good uh, set of days to, to do this. So stay tuned. Those of you that are new administrators or if you're an owner of a surgery center and you want to put your administrator through the um, uh, a rigorous program, we're, uh, we're working on that. It will be done live and then it will also be recorded. So uh, more news to come on that one. Also with that, the CAPE, the Certified Ambulatory Infection Preventionist testing dates are going to be from October 1st through October 30th of this year. And the application period for that opens on August 1st and runs through September 18th. So if you're thinking about becoming certified in infection prevention, uh, that test is uh, during October. And I do want to remind everybody that the ASCA 2020 virtual conference is still ongoing. It's ASCA's first ever virtual conference, and it's available on demand through October 31st. So so you still have time to watch all the recordings of the sessions and visit the virtual expo hall. If you watch just one session each week, you can earn 15-plus continuing education credits. Session highlights include managing COVID-19, past, present, and future implications for ASC infection prevention, which provides valuable insights into what we have learned so far about the pandemic and its impact on the ASC infection prevention programs. Uh, If you're still not registered for ASCA 2020, sign up today at ASCAssociation.org. And we want to reiterate that you have to be careful purchasing hand sanitizer. Several brands of hand sanitizer were found to have methanol or wood alcohol, and the FDA now has 77, at least, hand sanitizers on its recall list due to the presence of methanol. It, It can cause a lot of um, side effects very serious, leading yeah. even up to death. Um, we so mentioned this last week mm-hmm. or two weeks ago, I think. Yes. And uh, since then, I think there were only 13 at the time you and I did that episode, and now it's up to 77. And as you said, I think that number is growing because I went on today mm-hmm. and there were like two more added. So okay. uh, definitely keep an eye out on that. I think mm-hmm. if you're staying with the big brands and, or the big uh, mm-hmm. distributors, you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. And but, as we had mentioned last time, too, it isn't. Methanol is not listed on the label, so right. that's why it's important to watch this list because you know, yeah. it's not something you're going to see. But as they were testing, they found that that some brands did in fact. Yeah, that. yeah, and again, I think uh, reputable organizations are mm-hmm. are going to uh, you know give you good stuff, but uh, but this is something to watch out for. Uh, I'm also going to provide links to the FDA website where the recalls and uh, safety alerts are posted, as well as a, a link to the subscription management page, so you can sign up to get your own alerts. And um, we found some information about ANSI-AMI ST79. Now, ST79 covers steam sterilization in healthcare facilities, and it guides healthcare personnel in the proper use of the processing equipment that we all know and love. It's the guide that is probably used, without you knowing it, uh, when your sterilization policies uh, were written. It was last revised in 2017, but a lot of the uh, information or a lot of the changes really haven't kind of permeated uh, throughout the whole industry, and this is just something 
something that started popping up uh, recently in a, in a number of trade magazines. So I thought I would just talk about it very quickly. So uh, ST79 uh, promotes sterility assurance and guides healthcare personnel in the proper use of processing equipment. And in meeting this goal, the ANSI Amy ST79 includes guidance for sterile processing, facility, design, personnel, receiving, transporting, handling, cleaning, decontamination, preparation, packaging, steam sterilization of reusable medical devices, quality process improvement, and new product evaluation. So basically the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to admit something here, Sue. I didn't even know this existed until I read this, uh, you know, a couple articles on it. Uh, and yet it is, uh, you know, arguably one of the most important documents that, uh, you know, is involved in the uh, mm-hmm. sterilization process. So please uh, look for ST79. I, I'll try to put some uh, links up on our, uh, our website for for this. So the, the critical thing that was noted, or there's there's actually a number of things that are included in the, uh, the 2017 update, but they defined what we call critical water. And this section was added in 2017. And critical water is defined as water that is extensively treated, usually by a multi-step treatment process that could include carbon bed, softening, deionization, and reverse osmosis or distillation to ensure that the microorganisms and the inorganic and organic material are removed from the water. A, sub, at a, a submicron filtration could also be part of the treatment process. And the water is, is mainly used for the final rinse or steam generation. So now I, I've run surgery centers, you know, for 30 years. And, mm-hmm. and I will admit that in New York and particularly around where we live here, uh, our water is quite bad. Uh, coming off of the taps. So mm-hmm. in order to be able to uh, uh, extend the life of our sterilizers, we usually had to do exactly this with our water before it went in there. So I don't know that this is a big deal for a lot of surgery centers, mm-hmm. but it does point out the importance of making sure that you have good quality water coming into your sterilization cycle. And as we mentioned, it really is part of the the, the rinse water cycle. Uh, so uh, 3.3, 0.6, uh talks about the design uh, considerations in ST79. And you must have a source of critical water for final rinsing. And in addition, there's some general considerations for cleaning. The devices should be thoroughly rinsed. And if a basin is used, the rinse water should be changed after each use. Now, this actually came up recently in one of our centers where, um, where that was actually noted is that they were not not replacing the rinse water after each use. I think it's kind of a logical thing, but I guess we need to point that out. Mm-hmm. And the final rinse mechanical or manual should be with purified water, for example, distilled or RO water. Uh, so, and the uh, the recommendations on the use of uh, this critical water are included in in this uh, this document. So, big takeaway: get a copy of ST seventy nine and read it. Uh, it is uh, something. Unfortunately, you have to pay for it. It's not something you can download. But uh, I think every surgery center needs to have a copy of this. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted to mention that we are still waiting for the 2021 proposed ASC HOPD rates. They were due on July 1st, but... No surprise there. Have there. Been, no, yeah, it tends no. to run late, doesn't it? And then, of course... Well, it, it wasn't for years, but last year we were mm-hmm. waiting. Um, but it yeah. did come out before the end of July. We're sitting here on July 27th, mm-hmm. and it still isn't out. And there is no word at all about yeah, this. But it's not like they're even promising it. There's a lot going on right now. So yeah, there is a few can... things that are happening, but uh, but it is a concern because I think there's just going to be a lot of inf- a lot of uh, I mean, there's potential for a serious ramifications there yeah. that come out, and of course that's where our rates uh, are set. Also, 
Uh, and then uh, lastly, our provider relief fund. So we have news. Now, this isn't uh, – I'm an accountant, so this isn't a big surprise to me, uh, but it's a bit of a disappointment. So the IRS has issued guidance clarifying, clarifying that organizations that received provider relief funds through the Medicare program will have to report that income as taxable income on their 2020 tax return. ASCA has, uh, has been lobbying for and continues to work to try to have this reversed so that it would not be uh, taxable income. Um, but – uh, so this is for people that uh, have Medicare um, patients and have received Medicare revenue over the last couple of years. And the provider relief fund is part of uh, some of the uh, relief packages here, provided some additional funding and, and sometimes six figures. Quite a number of our centers actually receive six-figure numbers uh, for the provider relief fund. We will keep you updated on this because there are going to be some reporting requirements here too, and we'll try to get some more information on that. But the bad news there for you is you're going to have to report this on your tax return. But uh, on the other hand, I don't think it was a huge surprise there. So let's take a short break and we'll come back and talk about uh, employee certifications. Infection control is now the most important thing to concentrate on in your ASC. And we definitely know that's going to be a focus of uh, the surveyors when they come out to visit mm -hmm. uh, all of us. So we have a lot of valuable resources that are available. Uh, for example, we have infection control coordinator training. Uh, everyone needs it. And at mm -hmm. ASCpodcast.com, you can get a, uh, a link to our uh, recording. It was a live virtual conference we did in April with uh, Lori Rodericks. You can listen to the uh, recording of that mm -hmm. uh, virtual event. And, and then there's a number of resources that we provided with it. Uh, at the end of it, you just send some codes in and we'll give you a certificate to demonstrate to your CMS, your friendly CMS surveyor uh, <laughs> that you went through some very specific ASC uh, mm -hmm. training. I think really our course is the only course that it really gears specifically for ambulatory surgery centers and specifically for designing and implementing a plan in your organization. Mm -hmm. And we also have an infection control in-service for COVID-19, which is available on ASCpodcast.com. This is a great resource to use to train your staff on how to deal with COVID-19. And we've, uh, Lori and I have talked about doing some additional ones. Now, this one was six hours long, so it's a bit long. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it's only $99, so I, I mean, it's not very expensive. Uh, but it's something that you can use for your staff, and you can probably break it up into small chunks. We are going to start recording some additional in-services, which we're going to make available just, uh, you know, for updates. You know, that was recorded in May. And, of course, there are some changes that have occurred since then. And then don't forget about our uh, friendly consultant services, AHS now offers an annual retainer-based infection control service, which includes annual visits and assistance in development of your infection control plan, in-services to your staff, competencies for your staff, and one-on-one -on -one mentoring of your coordinator. And uh, we'll also review and revise your infection control program each year and provide ongoing consultation with your infection control team. And then when infections occur, we'll provide assistance performing the infection investigation. Now, this service is included in all our monthly and quarterly retainers, or it's also available as a separate service for your organization. So if you need more information, give me a call at 585-594-1167. Jeff? 
John, you wanted to talk about what types of certifications are available to the ASC industry. So we, we need to start this by mentioning that at this time, there really are no uh, general certifications at the federal level mm-hmm. that are required of administrators, of business office managers, of uh, nurses. Uh, but uh, So what we want to talk about is what the benefits are mm-hmm. and what's available out there. So as I mentioned, generally certification is not required in our uh, industry. There are a couple exceptions, particularly in infection control. For example, New Jersey does require you to have an infection control uh, consultant. Um, So let's start with infection control. So one thing that is required is you do have to have training in infection control oversight. And in fact, the infection control worksheet specifically asks the following question. Does the ASC have a licensed healthcare professional qualified through training in infection control and designated to direct the ASC's infection control program? So they, they do say licensed healthcare professional, so not an epidemiologist, not a medical assistant. Most likely you would have an RN or a physician. Right. So this is very important is that the term licensed healthcare professional is right in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've run into some issues with this, uh, especially with CIC certified people. There are some CIC certified individuals out there who are, some of them or many of them, I guess, are actually epidemiologists, which, you know, is great training to become a CIC, but the CIC is really not an appropriate credential in my view. Uh, for the uh, ambulatory surgery industry. so, And then the infection control worksheet goes on to state, if this person is not certified in infection control, what type of infection control training has that person received? So as a survey, I'm going to expect to see something more than just general infection control. For example, in New York State, Sue, or before years when you renew your New York State uh, nursing license, mm-hmm. uh, you're required to demonstrate infection control training. I think you have to take a course every four years, mm-hmm. right? So I don't believe it's a very long course, right? No, it, it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and it it does not go into anything about infection control oversight or ambulatory surgery no. centers. It's really just making sure you know. Very basic. Yeah, very basic stuff. And when I've done surveys in New York, a number of times people have just presented that certificate to me and said, here's my training in infection control. That's not enough to demonstrate that you know what you're doing uh, in preparing an infection control program. So you're going to have to have some type of training. In CMS 416.51, Conditions for Coverage, Um, infection control. The ASC must maintain an infection control program that seeks to minimize infections and communicable diseases. And then it goes on to state that the program is under the direction of a designated and qualified professional who has training in infection control, and that this program is an integral part of the ASC's quality assessment and performance improvement program, and uh, is responsible for providing a plan of action for preventing, identifying, and managing infections and communicable diseases for immediately implementing corrective and preventive measures that result in improvement. So again, very specific Mm -hmm. uh, requirements that are in the conditions for coverage very specific that it has to be a healthcare professional, uh, and that person has to have training specifically in the ASC environment and in infection control oversight. So how would you suggest that they get the training? So up until recently, AORN provided, well, AORN continues to provide Mm -hmm. an online Mm -hmm. program at their website. It's an excellent program. You've gone through it. I've watched over your shoulder as you went through (laughs) it. Uh, it, It's well done. Um, And it is specifically for ASCs. uh, So there is that. However, fair comment here is that we've developed our own in the meantime, Mm -hmm. and I think ours is a little bit more up-to-date on it. Uh, But that is definitely a viable option. It does provide you with nursing hours, two contact hours, which our program does not. Mm -hmm. So definitely something to look into, and it's available at the AORN.org website. 
APIC used to have training, but I did check the website. I have not seen any training courses in the last couple of years. Last okay. course that I saw was in 2016. The program was very good. It was two days, though, and you had to go away for it, like it was, which, of course, mm-hmm. is uh, no longer really an option. Um, and uh, people that came back from it really raved about it, but I have not seen any current information on it. And then, of course, the ASC podcast with John Gailey has training, uh, has a training program that costs $199.99 and is available on our website at ASCPodcast.com. It was recorded live in April 2020. Uh, it's fun and interactive. Uh, we had a lot of questions that were asked during it. Uh, Sue, you and I moderated it, and uh, and Lori Rodericks did uh, the training there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of questions uh, that were asked and answered uh, throughout the session, which I thought really made it relevant to the people that were listening. Yeah. And then we also provided a lot of resources with it. So you get a good program. It was interactive. Um, it was about six hours long, I think. And uh, if you provide the codes coming back, you'll uh, get a certificate as well as all the resources that come with it. And that certificate will help demonstrate that you've had training specific to it. And and with those resources in a full agenda. So if a surveyor were to ask, well, what were you trained on specifically? You mm-hmm. can actually show them the slides from uh, the presentation, mm-hmm. uh, which is something you really can't do with the ARN course because it was all online. So here you can you can go into a great level of detail to show exactly what you're trained on. So now generally certification is not required. So training is required, but certification and infection control is not required. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are some states that do require certification, but uh, generally even in those states, a consultant can be used in that case. But always remember that you always have to have an employee in your center who has uh, oversight responsibilities for the infection control program. So even if you use an outside consultant, that consultant has to be working with somebody that has an ongoing relationship or an ongoing employment at the surgery center. So let's go through the various options that you have for certification. So there's CAPE, Certified Ambulatory Infection Preventionist, um, from the Board of Ambulatory Surgery Accreditation, or BASC, specific to ASCs. And uh, so full disclosure here, I am on the board of BASC. Mm -hmm. uh, So, uh, you know, obviously I heavily support this program, but I do think it is really one of the best options. Mm-hmm. And um, the Certified Ambulatory Infection Preventionist, or CAPE, is the first certification designed specifically for infection preventionists in the ASC industry. This certification is for those with a comprehensive understanding of the skills and knowledge that the role of an ASC infection preventionist requires. To obtain the certification, an individual must meet certain eligibility requirements and achieve a passing score on an examination designed specifically to test the knowledge considered relevant to an infection preventionist in an ASC, which is Really so important that it's so specific to that. Right. And the cost of the CAPE exam is $345. So the question, of course, is who is the CAPE for? And it is a credential that is for licensed healthcare professionals. Again, same requirements that are are used to determine if you uh, are qualified to become an infection control uh, oversight function in the amateur surgery centers. Uh, to get the certification. So the credential is for licensed healthcare professionals with a comprehensive understanding of the skills and knowledge that the role of an ASC infection preventionist requires. And the CAPE certification distinguishes the infection preventionist as a leader devoted to ambulatory surgery, infection prevention standards, and best practices, and is a symbol of dedication to the person for to personal development. And I think, as you mentioned earlier with the CASC exam, this also is another one of those things that is really experiential based. So don't go into this thinking that just because you have a body of knowledge that you learn that you're going to be able to pass it right away. You really do have to have some real life experience uh, to be able to answer many of the questions. 
So the CAPE exam has five sections that test knowledge in the following categories. Infection prevention program development, implementation and maintenance, infection prevention education and training, surveillance data collection and analysis, infection prevention strategies, instrument or equipment cleaning, disinfection, and sterilization. And the ongoing requirements for IPCH credits to prove that you are keeping up to date. So even after you get the uh, the, the the CAPE credential, you have to continue uh, getting education just as you do with the uh, the CASC exam. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is no training program. There's no uh, training or like a CAS, like there is with the CAS review mm-hmm. program. There is no CAPE review program at this time. But there are resources available on the website. So there's a list of different sources of information. Uh, a lot of it is reading uh, material that you can uh, download pretty freely as well as things that you might have to purchase. And then, of course, we at the podcast here provide a lot of training that will help you prepare for the exam. So t- see our training programs on our uh, virtual conference section as we just talked about during an, an ad and between these Sections. And of course, following the podcast will also help. We ha- we are doing a lot on infection prevention uh-huh. now. It seems like that's all you and I talk about yeah. at this point. And I uh, bear with us, everyone, but it is probably the most important thing in our industry right now. And I think it's where people are going to have uh, condition level and even um, uh, immediate jeopardy situations. So we want to prepare you for that. And then we're also going to be providing IPCH credits on a regular basis. The second certification is the CIC, or the Certification in Infection Prevention and Control, and it's a certification of APIC, or the Association of Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology. So it's important to note that this is not ASC-specific, and it really deals more with issues that we in ASCs don't deal with on a regular basis, for example, actually dealing with infections and communicable diseases. Now, I don't want to put this credential down, because it is an excellent credential, and the people mm-hmm. that that uh, are certified, and I have, I have a number of very good friends that are CIC certified and and they are uh, absolute geniuses in this uh, in this field it's just first of all i'm not sure it really helps a lot of our our infection prevention is here because it doesn't actually go into some of the things that we're always dealing mm-hmm. with on a daily basis. And it's almost too much. And I, I think in, in this environment where we are today, uh, we really want to focus on those things that are ASC specific because that's what you're going to be dealing with every day here. So again, not to put down the CAC, it is an excellent credential. Uh, it is a little bit more daunting because I think you every five years you have to retake the exam, whereas with the CAPE exam, you just have to maintain your credits. But again, that's part of the uh, the high quality uh, uh, attitude they have with this credential is that you you just kind of have to go through the whole thing, you know, every five years. So I do understand why they do that. But um, also a thing to remember is that epidemiologists are allowed to be a CIC, but they cannot be an infection control coordinator in an ambulatory surgery center. And this mm-hmm. has actually come up a couple times in that some of the uh, epidemiologists – CIC individuals have asked to become CAPE certified, and we have said that they cannot because mm-hmm. in those cases, they, they were not medical professionals. Let's talk about the clinical certification. CNOR, or Certified Perioperative Nurse, is a certification of the Association of Perioperative Nurses, or AORN, specifically for operating room nurses. The CNOR certification is a certification for perioperative registered nurses. The certification proves that CNOR certified nurses are committed to providing quality care to their surgical patients. The cost to take the CNOR exam is $395. And how do you become certified? Um, To become CNOR certified, you must have a current RN license and be currently working either full-time or part-time in perioperative nursing, as well as having completed at least two years and 2,400 hours of experience in perioperative nursing with 1,200 hours in the interoperative setting. 
The exam covers nine different subject areas, including perioperative patient assessment and diagnosis, perioperative plan of care, intraoperative care, communication, transfer of care, instrument processing and supply management, emergency situations, management of personnel, services, and materials, and professional accountability. It's a 200-question multiple choice. So I've been very supportive of the CONR over the years. And when I first got into the industry in the 90s, this was a very popular certification. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, I even attended, I think I even spoke in a couple uh, ARN conferences that included CONR-certified individuals. Um, And uh, I I think it's a very important certification. It is very tough. It is is very uh, difficult to to get this and to maintain it, Uh, especially when you look at the number of hours that you have to put into it, 2,400. Uh, that's more than two years usually mm-hmm. of, uh, of of direct experience, experience in it. Yeah. Uh, I have seen the number of individuals in the amateur surgery setter, setting that have seen our credential uh, dropping, and I'm kind of disappointed about that. I think. Uh, you know, maybe we're just so busy with everything else that people don't have time to do this. But I'm very supportive of certification, of course. And I think I would, if I were an administrator, a nurse manager in a center, and of course, we do provide that type of service, uh, really encourage your nursing staff as much as possible to uh, look into the certification. Moving on to the business office, uh, so Sue, uh, Christina Benton, and I, of course, just did a conference in June mm-hmm. on uh, financial management and uh, and coding and uh, reimbursement, and that provided uh, uh, credits for AAPC, which is the American Academy of Professional Coders, and they uh, offer a number of certifications for coding and billing professionals as well as management professionals. So I'll mention the four that are probably most applicable in the surgery center setting, the CPC, which is a certified professional coder, the COC, which is a certified outpatient coder, the CASCC, which is a certified ASC coder, which is very specific to the amateur Mm -hmm. surgery industry, of course, the CPPM, which is a certified physician practice manager, which is really the closest we have right now to some type of business office manager uh, uh, certification. And then there's also various subspecialties for the different surgical specialties. So this is another area that I really think it's important to have professional coders uh, involved and because you could literally be leaving money on the table if you don't have somebody that's really knowledgeable about coding in the ASC environment and understanding that ASC coding is different than physician coding, very different in many cases, and that you you should not be relying on the physician's office always for that coding expertise. So uh, definitely uh, you should be looking into this. And then there is another organization out there called AHIMA or A-H-I-M-A, which is the American Health Information Management Association. And they provide the CCS-P, which is a certified coding specialist physician base. And that's probably the closest uh, coding certification to our industry uh, from that organization. And then last but not least, in the area of administration, the CASC, or the Certified Ambulatory Surgery Center Administrator Certification, which is provided by the Board of Ambulatory Surgery Accreditation, or BASC. And this is specific to ASC. So I have been passionate about this particular credential, mainly because I was involved in it in the very beginning, right from the the beginning years of it back in the the early 2000s. Uh, And I was one of the first persons to take the exam. And of course, I serve on the Board of Ambulatory Surgery Accreditation. I, I am the immediate past president there. So it's important for you to uh, to look into the CAS certification, to uh, recognize that it is the preeminent certification in our industry. And though it's not required, certainly, of uh, ambulatory surgery center administrators, it certainly is a way of 
proving to the world and proving to accreditation organizations and to CMS and surveyors as well as the owners of surgery centers that might want to employ you in the future uh, that, uh, that you have the qualifications necessary to be a good administrator. So why should we seek certification? Well, there's, there's a lot of good reasons. It will improve your skills. Um, it demonstrates a higher standard of care. And it assists employers to recognize good candidates for positions. It's great to have those letters behind your name. Right, right. Because you know that they have a, uh, an identified body of knowledge that mm -hmm. includes all the things that administrators mm -hmm. need to know. So if you're an owner of a surgery center uh, or somebody that uh, hires uh, administrators, this is a good way to to make sure that they have that knowledge base that you, that you need in order to run a surgery center appropriately. Mm -hmm. So again, I really want to encourage everybody to look into it. So for more information about uh, the CAS certification, go to www.aboutcast, that's A-B-O-U-T-C-A-S-C dot org. And again, we're going to have links on our uh, podcast page uh, for you to get more information about this. So let's take a break and we'll come back with our very, very short list of state-specific upcoming events. You're never alone in the ASC industry. Many organizations are eager to provide an opportunity to help you keep up on all aspects of running an ASC. And in this section, we highlight upcoming events. I kind of feel like we might be alone right now. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I mean, there's a lot going on in mm -hmm. the virtual world, but yeah. even there, it's very hard to plan. We are working on uh, New York State. Uh, association virtual event. We uh -huh. don't have the dates exactly yet. Um, I just got off the phone uh, last Friday with Beth LeBoyer uh, with the California Association. I'm working on a uh, uh, financial accounting boot camp for her, uh, which will be a pre-conference. Well, it was going to be a pre-conference for her event and uh, will now be a, uh, a virtual conference sometime. Uh -huh. I think it's in October. Okay. Uh, we'll get more details about that once all those things are nailed down. So keep an eye out for these virtual conferences. Soon you and I will, will keep an eye out. And please, if you have any information about these events, uh, please send them to info at ASCpodcast.com and we will list them here mm -hmm. and we'll try to get them on the website also. But the only event that we have, and I can't even say for sure that this is going to be in person, is the Ohio State Association Conference, which is scheduled for September 30th through October 1st, 2020 at the Hilton Columbus Polaris in Columbus, Ohio. Now, they did confirm with me last week, because I'm a speaker there, and we do have a booth. So they did reconfirm that it was still on at this point. So uh, keep listening to our podcast, mm -hmm. and we'll keep you up to date. So, so that's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with uh, John Gailey. Join us again. Uh, and please consider becoming a patron of uh, by going to our website at ASCpodcast.com and spread the word about our podcast with your friends. The patron program includes a lot of wonderful benefits, including you know policies and procedures, forms. Uh, we're going to be uh, providing access to some of our uh, uh, virtual conferences that have been done in the past. Um, so uh, definitely uh, visit the, the ASCpodcast.com website for more information about that. It's certainly well worth the money that you pay. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Kelleritis, and Lori Rodericks. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. The ASC Podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. 
The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, Surgical Information Systems, Encompass Healthcare Data Solutions, BHG Patient Lending, Medicus IT, and Intelair. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCPodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com.